Welcome to It's a Lock, the industry leader in delivering world-class news, views, and analysis related to sports and sports betting. We promise to stuff every episode with square takes, losing streaks, kisses of death, and good old-fashioned degeneracy. I'm your host, Big Bet Brent, and with me, as always, is Mad Money Mike. All right, welcome to It's a Lock Podcast, season two, episode number five. I'm your host, Big Bet Brent. With me, as always, Mad Money Mike. How you doing, Mike? Hey, yo, great to be here, Big Bet Brent. Excellent. I am also pleased to introduce Jake Ellenbogen, our first special guest for season two, CEO and host of Downtown Rams, co-host of the AJ Show Live, a true Rams fan, Jake, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Really do appreciate it. Excellent. Oh, so You're so pumped to have you. Yeah, <laughs> so pumped to have you. Let's uh, definitely looking forward to your insights, particularly on this past week. Uh, y'all, sli- y'all slipped by the Indianapolis Colts and have an excellent week three matchup versus the Bucks. So let's do a quick rundown of the agenda, and then we'll get right into it. So we're going to – off the top, we're going to go straight into the week two look back. So – I like what we did last time, uh, the two-minute drill. Although I don't have the timer in front of me, um, this will be more of a mental two-minute drill. We're going to talk through all 16 Week 2 games. Then that I think that's a good time. We have a loyal listener email that we'll get to. Um, a couple of good questions, dad to the bone, really pulling through in the clutch. Um, talk a little bit about the various betting platforms that we have and bets that we have. And then we have a pick six. We're going to talk about six week three matchups, uh, really cherry pick the best matchups. Of course, we're going to be talking about that uh, Bucks-Rams matchup, and then we'll close it out with some locks of the week and diaper dad diaries. So excellent, guys. Hey, let's get right into it. What do you guys think? Let's start off with week two, the Thursday night football game. The New, the New York Giants can't get it done versus the Washington football team. This was a, a game of, of two teams that neither team wanted to win, and the Giants were just better at losing. I have been on the Giants bandwagon, but I, I really – I'm actually kind of curious to you guys, do you think that I should jump off and start trashing them or the fact that they only lost by one, I should give them another chance? Jake, why don't we start off with you? What were your thoughts on this game? Do you think the Giants are done? Yeah, so I watched the full game. Uh, it was definitely entertaining. Um, you know, I think I actually have the Giants winning the division at 10-7. Uh, coming into the All season, right. yeah. Yeah, I, you know, you look at Patrick Graham's defense, uh, really impressed. I mean, you know, obviously not the best showing against Washington. They have some huge names uh, or guys that should be huge names. I mean, Bradbury's one of the best corners in all of football. Uh, that, let's get that out of the way right now. Uh, but Dexter Lawrence – very, very good and very underrated interior defensive lineman. You have Leonard uh, Williams, of course, a guy that I watched a ton of SC. I watched it, you know, with the Jets. I feel like he's finally come into his own. He's super comfortable with the Giants. But then on top of that, you know, you get Oziz Ojolari, who I just don't know how uh, fell to the second round. I believe he had two sacks in that game. So, you know, you, you are getting that type of production. Uh, Blake Martinez was a huge add at linebacker. I really do like what Patrick Graham has set up uh, for that defense. But with the offense, that was my biggest you know, question mark. And to me, early on, 
um, you know, they, they lost pretty easily to the Broncos. I thought the Broncos did a nice job controlling that game. But if you really look at it, they had a 70-yard touchdown uh, by Melvin Gordon to kind of seal the game. It was late in the game. Uh, so it does make it look like they didn't really have a chance. But they were down by one possession in that game. And then this game, they blew a lead. Uh, Daniel Jones was the biggest question mark for me, as well as the offensive line. And while the offensive line hasn't been great, I think you have to like what you've seen out of Daniel Jones. Not afraid to run with the football. I thought he's made he's made some really good throws, in my opinion. Um, I mean, he put that right where he needed to be uh, with Darius Slayton. If he catches that, it's a completely different ball game. Uh, him and uh, Sterling Shepard have developed a incredible rapport early on. And plus, keep this in mind, guys. Saquon Barkley is not a hundred percent yet, and when he does get to be a hundred percent, which could be this week against the Falcons. This is a juicy matchup if you're a fantasy owner for Saquon Barkley. If you do DFS, I'm all over the Giants, loving the Giants this week, and potentially a blowout of the Falcons. They have a horrible secondary. Um, you know, I I would say don't uh, don't give up on the Giants so quickly yet. But I will say that you got to give Washington all the credit in the world, winning with uh, Taylor Heineke. And on top of that, you got to give Taylor Heineke his due. This guy proved that. He is a starting quarterback in this league. He may have been, you know, he may be lower, you know, bottom tier, um, but bottom tier starting quarterback in the NFL is still a starting quarterback. It's still out of 32 teams. So um, that throw he made to Ricky Seals Jones was just tremendous. I mean, it's, it's one of the best throws we've seen all season to put it, you know, like that. I mean, just the ball placement, the accuracy, the velocity, all of it, just phenomenal job. And to, you know, you have Logan Thomas, you have Terry McLaurin, you have Antonio Gibson, and you put the game in Ricky Seals-Jones' hands. Uh, that says a lot about Taylor Heineke and how I'm not worried about this guy getting stuck throwing to one particular guy. He's somebody that will spread the ball around. That's a big thing for Washington, and that was a huge win. Um, but I'm not giving up on the Giants. Excellent. Mad Money Mike, that's interesting. Me and you were both high on the Giants. What, what are your thoughts, Giants? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, can't can't thank you enough, uh, you know, for the for the rundown, Jake. That's uh, that's really great stuff, and uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Brent and I were big on the Giants preseason, and I do think they're going to turn it around. Love the insights on their defense, and let's not forget, you know, we are a very very questionable offsides call away from the Giants winning this game and being one and one right now. I still like them to win the division, and. Uh, and I definitely like them this week coming up against the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, they're only one game back, and I do want to note that uh, this was Cheeto's anti-bet, which went down in flames, um, and we'll talk more about what her bet is for this week um, in the next segment. Moving on, let's talk about the Raiders taking care of business in our hometown, well, your hometown, Pittsburgh, upsetting the Steelers. Mad Money Mike, you were uh, pretty close to losing a big chunk of change on this one. What, uh, what happened here? Yeah, this was uh, this was my lock of the week. I like the Steelers at home to cover the first home game at Heinz Field and, and with a full crowd in quite a while. I thought the place was going to be rocking. I thought the Steelers' defense coming off that week one win was going to be firing on all cylinders, and and we're going to you know kind of put Derek Carr in his place a little bit. Um, you know that that Raiders defensive line uh, pressured you know Big Ben all day to uh, to the tune of a pectoral injury, and uh, and he just couldn't get anything going. I thought that if they ran that kind of dink and dunk, you know, five, six yards at a time, little slant patterns, you know, just over the middle. And, uh, 
you know, those, those chunk change, uh, you know, kind of yardage pickups. I thought that they could have done something with that. Now I'm sure that the Raiders would have made adjustments, but I thought that that was a part of the offense that they got away from early unnecessarily. And, uh, and I saw big Ben just trying to take his time in the pocket. And, uh, and certainly the Raiders defensive line didn't let him do that. And it was an embarrassing showing in front of the home crowd. And uh, there's really not much else to say about that, but, uh, but the Raiders look great. John Gruden, you know, the, the plan that he's put in place over the last few years is finally coming to fruition and, um, and they must be putting something in the water in Las Vegas because they're looking good. <laughs> Jake, <laughs> any takeaways from that game? Yeah, uh, man, uh, where do I start? Uh, you know, you look at that game first off, I think it, you know, I know it's only week two guys, but I think it did cement the Raiders as at least a team to keep an eye on. Um, you know, they did make my top 10. I have my own Bogan 10 on my YouTube channel. Um, and I do a power ranking. The Steelers are still there. They're at 10, but the Raiders shot all the way up into the top six. I am, I'm not sold on the Raiders yet, but I'm definitely, they have my attention. Um, what they were able to do was definitely impressive winning the game against Baltimore. I know it was at home, but then they go to Pittsburgh, not an easy place to win. Um, and to me, I thought the Steelers were going to win this game. I thought that they were going to expose uh, the Raiders um, but the Raiders are going to make me look silly because I had them winning three games coming in the season. I did not think they would be this good. Uh, mainly, I got to give a lot of credit to a guy that's playing menacing football, Derek Carr. Uh, he just has been on another level uh, the first two games. Obviously, he'd come back down to earth. We've seen this before uh, for other quarterbacks. But just think about what he's doing uh, besides the fact that they don't even have Josh Jacobs at 100%. Uh, Kenyon Drake is really a receiver. You know, he's not even giving them any sort of help as a runner. Um, and so I think it's allowed, it, it hasn't allowed him anything. I think really the thing with, with Carr is he's had to do more uh, than the call of duty normally. And I think that's, what's really so impressive, but then you have, you know, mid round pick um, the same draft. They, they spent a first round pick on an edge defender. You have Max Crosby just absolutely killing it. Um, they go out and they get, you know, a guy that I really like a lot in Yannick Ngakwe, who I think some teams kind of forgot about. Um, you know, he's made himself home there. You know, they have all sorts of linebackers from KJ Wright, Corey Littleton, Nick Kwiatkowski. Uh, I'm really curious to see what they do this year with Divine Diablo out of uh, Virginia Tech, somebody that, you know, can play safety, can play linebacker. Um, not to mention, you know, they have Jonathan Abram in the back end of the secondary. I'm really uh, surprise, but I think with the Steelers, you know, for anyone that's listening, that's a Steelers fan and is kind of concerned right now. I would just say this: they got Najee Harris going. This is a team that played without its, you know, its top cornerback in Joe Hayden. He was hurt. Um, on top of that, you know, they were without Devin Bush. Go back and watch their defense last year when Devin Bush was gone. It was not the same. Um, and on top of that, in the middle of this game, and not even in the middle, pretty early on, they lose T.J. Watt. Uh, to a groin injury all I think had groin injuries uh, Tyson Alu Alu gets hurt um, the big man in the middle that's a huge loss we will see how they uh, bounce back from that and of course Deontay Johnson had his knee injured I don't believe he practiced today so this is a team that battled through injury and to be honest with you if they were fully healthy it would have been a different game uh, but hats off to the Raiders they definitely you know proved themselves and that big late touchdown uh, to Henry Ruggs was just absolutely huge. And it showed, you know, for people wondering if Derek Carr has an NFL arm, well, there you go. 
That was an absolute bomb. And I, and I will say the, the things that impressed me, the Raiders coming off of two great wins, beating up some tough AFC opponents in the Steelers and last week in that overtime win versus the Ravens. Mad Money Mike, I kind of forgot about that game last week. Did you want to go back over that one or did you want to keep moving? Oh, man, pull the knife out of my back. I'm good, brother. Thank you. <laughs> well, I also did want to slip in just a little quick uh, quick tidbit there. We did have a $100 bet on that game. I took your action, and I took your money. I took the Raiders against my uh, against my home team, I guess, but uh, silver lining there as well. But, yeah, the, the, I appreciate those points you made, Jake, that uh, the Steelers may not be out of it, but it does stink. To, I mean, injuries is, is a theme that we're going to hear about in each and every game we go through this week, and it just seems like the Steelers always get hit harder than others um, with T.J. Watt being out and, and Big Ben's uh, pectoral injury. Um, I, they definitely won't be the same if he if he's not going to be at full strength next week. But uh, right now, we'll talk about that in the week three look ahead. They've got a home game versus the Bengals. So with that, uh, let's move on. Uh, run a little bit behind, but uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll be able to make up some ground. In fact, on this one, the 49ers taking care of business in uh, Philadelphia over the Eagles 17 to 11. Um, I didn't have any notes on this one. Uh, Mad Money Mike, Jake, what did you guys uh, quick quick takeaways from this game? Yeah, I didn't have a chance to to watch this game. Um, I, you know, I was catching it on on Red Zone. Uh, definitely closer than I'm sure a lot of 49ers fans uh, would like to have seen. But they uh, they they travel across the country. They they go on the road to the East Coast and they get a win. And uh, and I'm sure it will bring them back down to earth a little bit and uh, and look for them to you know to continue that success next week. Yeah, this is an interesting game. Um, this was one of those Raider games where I was like, all right, Eagles, you, you played a, a – I, they didn't play a great team. Like, the, the Raiders played the Ravens. But uh, the Eagles dominated uh, the Falcons last week. So I was like, okay, all right, Eagles, show us what you're made of because I had you finishing last in that division. Um, and, you know, this did not get off to the best of starts for the Eagles. And especially the fourth down uh, conversion that, that failed in the red zone – um, because I, a lot of people were wondering, you know, that were falling on game cast and what have you. It's like, wait, the Eagles were just at the four. What happened? Uh, yeah, they, gave, they went for it on fourth down and it, you know, they threw it away. It was actually, it was a fake. I don't know if you guys saw it. It was, uh, I want to say Gregory Ward, the former quarterback at Houston in college. And, uh, he threw it away on fourth down. Uh, so not good. Um, mm. but that honestly might have cost them the game to be honest with you losing mm-hmm. 17 to 11 that was a huge huge loss uh you know for the eagles i mean they were at home they should have won um but you know credit the 49ers they were able to hang in there with no running game whatsoever everyone's hurt um you know jimmy garoppolo did his usual i mean you know he went 22 at 30 for 189 yards i believe so i mean it's not He's pretty much doing whatever Kyle Shanahan. He's pointing and throwing at this point, so we'll see. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah, the, hey, the 49ers came away with the win on the road. Jake, let me ask you: Do you think this tells more about the Eagles being a little bit better than projected, or the 49ers being a little bit weaker than projected? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, the Niners' defense held them to 11, which is what I expect. It, it's always been about the Niners' defense for me. Their offense has Kyle Shanahan, but until they get Trey Lance acclimated, I'm not scared of this offense because I look at Jimmy Garoppolo and I just see, you know, check downs and 
and taking what the defense gives him. And he's not like Derek Carr was labeled that, but we've seen the last two weeks, Derek Carr making plays that not every quarterback in the league is going to even bother making. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so, I, I'm looking back at week one. I see they dropped 41, but that was versus the Lions. So I guess the, the verdict's still out on the 49ers offense. But, okay, yeah. completely agree with that. All right, let's move on to uh, the Texans. Hey, the Texans were live dogs in this one. They put up 21, couldn't get it done versus the Browns. The Browns uh, win but don't cover. They win 31-21. to 21. Another uh, another mess of slew, or slew of injuries here. Tyrod Taylor is going to be out. Davis Mills is start is starting in uh, tomorrow night's Thursday night football. Um, yeah, hey, uh, I guess yeah, Jake. Let me uh, let me toss this one up to you. What what were your thoughts on this game? Well, this is one that's just really unfortunate because I feel as though when I was watching this game, uh, I I felt like Houston could have won that game, and, and we could yeah. be looking at zero and two Cleveland right now. Um, and I think that's entirely. I mean, they have been way better than I expected, and it all because of Tyrod Taylor. Uh, if Tyrod mm-hmm. Taylor didn't get hurt, this game's completely different. Um, now, Davis Mills threw a touchdown. I don't think he played horribly, but he did have a really costly interception. Uh, Brandon Cooks has just been a model of consistency throughout his career. So, you know, going over, I think he had 10 catches in this game or close to it. Um, you know, it was not a surprise that he was going to have that. But with hardly any sort of running game to speak of in this one, it was really impressive what Tyrod was able to do himself before he got hurt. Um, keep in mind, I mean, he left the game with almost a, I believe it was a perfect or close to perfect passer rating. So th- this guy really, it, it, he just cannot catch a break. Um, I really do feel for him. You know, had the injury with the Browns, had the injury. Uh, we won't even call it an injury. I mean, he just, he had a team doctor puncture his lung uh, with oh, a boy. shot. Um and cost him to lose his job with the Chargers. And then now this. And it's just it's really frustrating. Um, obviously, you know, when you see a player like that that's just elevating really not a ton around him. Um, and David Davis Mills, you know, people are already out on. I would say this if Davis Mills had a full week to prepare with the ones, I think he could do it. I think he could go out there and potentially win a football game, but asking him on a short week to, to be that guy, I think it's gonna, it's asking a lot on a rookie quarterback. Uh, so they're in some trouble now. I'm not going to lie. But with Tyrod Taylor, one and one, you know, if, if they were one and one after this game and they had a healthy Tyrod Taylor, they'd be fine. I just don't know what to make of them now with Davis Mills. I think it, it it's throwing him into the, into the fire a little too quickly, I would say. Yeah. Yep. Agree on all points there. Mad Money Mike, anything to add or you want to move to the next game? Yeah, let's um let's move on. It's going to be fascinating to uh, to continue to watch the Browns and, and see if they, you know, there there's some signs. You know, the, the way that they lost in Week One, um, you know, you know, starting the game, you know, so well against the Chiefs and, and having an opportunity to to have a statement win for the program and and kind of pittering out in the second half, and then to follow it up with a lackluster performance against the Texans. You know, let's see if they kind of galvanize and, and rally and start, you know, maybe putting up some blowouts on some teams that, that deserve to be blown out. Or if they continue to sputter, I think that'll tell a story about what we can expect from them later in the season. So fascinating story with the Browns. And, uh, and man, like you said, Jake, just a real shame with Tyrod Taylor. I just feel like he's a, I just feel like he's a guy that doesn't deserve it, you know, and just can't catch a break, like you said. And, uh, and it'll be, you know, 
interesting to see what happens there. But, yep, you said it all, man. Moving on. Yeah, we'll actually be covering both of those teams and their matchups in uh, in week three in our pick six moving uh, once we get to that segment. Moving on here, we've got the Broncos taking care of business over the Jacksonville Jaguars, 23-13. to 13. Teddy Bridgewater continues to shine, and, and I'm sure, Jake, you know the, the stats better than me. I think he's something like – 24 and 14 as a starter against the spread or like 13 and four on the road, but the Broncos are off to an impressive start here. Is this something you think they can keep up? And a secondary question would be the Jaguars. How much of a dumpster fire are they going to be? And how upset is uh, urban Meyer about coming back coaching in the NFL? (laughs) Well, uh, you know, I'll tell you right now, the Jaguars are the worst team in football. So if they just want to bail on Trevor Lawrence, they'll probably have an opportunity to do that um, at the end of the season. They are, Horrible. I mean, they're really bad. Um, I feel for Marvin Jones, you know, because you look at him and he's a, I mean, you think about a guy like that. He's been with Matthew Stafford. He's been with Andy Dolan. He's a veteran wide receiver, probably hoping, Hey, I can join this team. There's, you know, some talent behind me with DJ shark, young talent, DJ shark, LaVisca Chenault, uh, Tyron Johnson. I mean, they, they have some guys that, you know, he could mentor, but on top of that, you know, I'm sure he thought he was signing with a team that would be competitive. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I said this very early on in the draft process. He's a guy that I think we just anointed as, you know, the next Peyton Manning or the next whoever. Um, And and I'll tell you, you know, to have him go in the NFL and, you know, compete the way he did in college, I mean, it's just a completely different thing. But my biggest turnoff about Trevor Lawrence is those games against the Citadel, you know, the, the games that weren't televised or people didn't go back and watch. Um, he just kind of, you know, he kind of played down to that competition. Um, so watching, you know, the Broncos pick him apart, Vic Fangio picked golf apart. Vic Fangio pretty much ruined the Rams offense. You know, they had to completely start over from scratch. Um, he is no joke. So I was not surprised that, he was that complicated, you know, that that defense was that complicated for Trevor to process. Uh, was not surprised at all. They can't really run the ball with James Robinson at the moment because the offensive line's getting beat. Um, but on top of that, I mean, you have a guy in Cortland Sutton who had 159 yards receiving. Um, you know, he was just tremendous. Uh, you know, that they barely, you know, they don't even have Judy at the moment. So it's really him and, and Tim Patrick with, you know, throwing KJ Hamler and Kendall Hinton in there. But, you know, it's been really impressive what they've been able to do with Teddy Bridgewater because, you know, the Broncos are a team like they're a paper tiger every year. You know, you look at they always seem to have some crazy looking defense and then the offense just isn't there. But Teddy Bridgewater might be exactly what they needed. Just a guy that, you know, he can throw over 300 yards and he finally got that monkey off his back, I think, because he was more of a game manager with the Vikings. But then he went to uh, Carolina, and he was in that Joe Brady offense, high octane. You'll see it this year with Sam Darnold. And I think, you know, finally showed everyone, okay, this guy can play. And if he had Christian McCaffrey the full year, who knows what happens. They lost a bunch of one-possession games. I believe they lost seven or eight. So, you know, this is a, this is a solid quarterback. I'm, I'm happy for him. He's been through a lot as well. Um, and the Broncos are 2-0, and up, so that's going to be a really tough division. But as far as the Jaguars go, there's really not any hope through two games for them. We'll see if they turn it around. I have a theory, Jake. I, I pitched this theory to my, Mad Money Mike last uh, last pod. He didn't really buy it. My theory is the Broncos got Teddy Bridgewater as a interim quarterback so that next year 
they could go get Aaron Rodgers. What oh, are your I thoughts on that? I by that. I think it's oh. 100% fact. Vindication. Well, Mad Money Mike, kiss my feet. Tip of the cap. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, I definitely 100% think that's what they were doing. Um, and it's unfortunate for Bridgewater. And, of course, we don't know for sure. But, I mean, where is Rodgers going to go? Like, everyone assumed it would be San Francisco, but they went out and got Trey Lance. You're not trading Trey Lance to the Packers to get Rodgers. That wouldn't make any sense. Um, yeah. So, you know, then you have Garoppolo who's around. I mean, Carolina doesn't need him because, you know, I think Sam Darnold at the end of the season, they're going to end up extending him. Um, and that's a guy that they'll want to continue to work with, young quarterback. You have to keep in mind, you know, yes, Aaron Rodgers is extremely interesting. And, you know, he's one of the best quarterbacks in all of football. But there's only a handful of teams that will truly be interested in giving up the assets. It's different being interested and having those internal discussions, uh, you know, in-house about a player like that. It's another thing actually doing it and putting your money where your mouth is. And that's the thing, like when you're dealing with, you know, Matthew Stafford, who's, you know, 33, 34 years old, that's not the same as 38, 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers. So it's a little different. And it's really hard to orchestrate a trade like that because you're arguably trading him for, you know, you don't know how long he's going to play. Brady's playing, you know, right now in 44. Uh, but, you know, he just said the other day he could play until 50. We don't know what he'll do. But if Rodgers isn't like that and say he retires the, the year after, I mean, basically what we've seen out of Rodgers in the off season leads me to believe he's kind of slowly drifting out of this game. Um, we don't mm. know for sure. But do you trade three first-rounders to have one-year Rodgers? I don't think that's conducive to winning football. I'd rather have Bridgewater and not give up three first-rounders. You see what I'm saying? So I think that's exactly what they're doing. But I think it's really because there's just not a lot of teams that are going to be willing to you know, send as much as it takes to get it. Can we get an age check? Mad Money Mike, are you at a computer? Is Aaron Rodgers 38, 39? I was hoping – I was hoping he was like 36 because next we're about to talk about how the Saints stunk it up versus the Panthers and how I would love to have Aaron Rodgers. I would pay that price to have Aaron Rodgers come and manage and lead the Saints back to glory. Aaron Rodgers is 37. He will turn 38 on December 2nd. Okay. Okay. Man, that is – Yeah, right around mm – because he'll be 39 uh, next year. Yeah, right man. Team has him, so and, yeah, it's and I know he likes his whiskey. He's not eating avocado ice cream, so I mean, forty-four. <laughs> I, I'm not sure he can pull a Tom Brady there, much less fifty. But I tell you what, that's let, let's talk about that. The Saints really letting me down. I thought they were going to cruise past these Panthers and Sam Darnold, but I feel like this game is more of an more of a, an indictment on the New York Jets than either of these two teams. I mean, Sam Darnold's looking good. The Panthers are looking good. The Saints, I'm, I've got real concerns about Jameis as well. So, But they were down eight coaches. Um, I'm not ready to throw in the towel, but I will raise the uh, raise the warning flag, I guess. Um, Mad Money Mike, any, any thoughts on this game? Well, obviously, uh, to see my fellow alum, famous Jameis, uh, you know, have such a, uh, a crash and burn after his five-touchdown game was, was rough. And, uh, and I know you as a uh, Saints homer, was, it was rough for you as well. Yeah, the Panthers. Um, the, the Panthers are really showing us something. You know, I I will definitely uh, be interested in hearing uh, what Jake, uh, you know, has to uh, say about the Panthers' prospects for the year, and uh, and likewise, you know, where uh, where you see the Saints going after uh, after such a comeback down to earth, you know, moment for them. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, it was like the perfect storm. You had Aaron Rodgers, who I feel like almost just didn't care in the first game. Uh, I don't know what it was. I've never seen him play less inspiring football. Um, But on top of that, I've been saying for a while, I think Jameis Winston's the truth. Um, I think he's better than Taysom Hill. And I think he should have been starting last year. Um, You know, I think this is somebody that, like, that game is way different if Marquez Callaway catches a couple balls, you know, that game is way different if Michael Thomas is healthy and, you know, Traquan Smith. So, you know, I feel like, you know, Jameis leading the pack with three carries, 19 yards or whatever he had, I know he's the leading rusher. Uh, that's definitely not conducive to winning football. Um, so I think a lot of this falls on Sean Payton. I think he's absolutely failed Jameis Winston in, in game two. Um, I think he got very, he definitely enjoyed putting it to the, the Packers uh, last week, but this is somebody that's known to let his ego get the best of him. And I think he absolutely did um, and was just punched right in the mouth in Carolina in week two. And, and you know, here's the thing. Um, Carolina has Christian McCaffrey healthy again. Uh, mm-hmm. Carolina has a quarterback that was one of – I mean, people were talking about him being generational and Sam Darnold. Um, he's legit, and now he's with Joe Burrow's old OC at LSU, Joe Brady, who probably should have been a head coach this year, will be one next year. I, I think Sam Darnold is on a warpath right now, and it maybe you could call it a revenge tour or whatever, but I think he's just enjoying the moment. Um, you know, he's got 2,000-yard receivers to throw to, one in which he already has familiarity with in Robbie Anderson. Um, you know, DJ Moore, obviously, is the other one. Dan Arnold, he's got a great connection with um, because, you know, unfortunately, Ian Thomas totally busted. They were not expecting that. And then LSU uh, wide receiver, uh, Terrace Marshall Jr., who Joe Brady worked with at LSU. Uh, Brandon Zilstra was an interesting one. He's more of like a special teamer. He ended up having a decent role in this one, catching his first career touchdown pass. And then you look at the defense. And Matt Rule, everywhere he goes, he fixes things. So go back to Temple. You know, what he was able to do there, Baylor after Bryles. I mean, it's been really incredible. Matt Rule is just like one of my favorite coaches. But look at what they did to the defense, you know, going out, you know, drafting J.C. Horn, getting that physicality in there. Dante Jackson in the second round, 2018. Uh, Justin Burris has been playing a lot of safety. Um, You have Jeremy Chin, who was one of my favorite safeties in the class. Uh, He's been playing safety and linebacker, Um, you know, and then, on top of that, you get Hassan Reddick, a guy you coached at Temple, who's one of the better pass rushers in football. You have him. You have Shaq Thompson. You go out, you get Morgan Fox, who had five sacks for the Rams last season. Very underrated. Derek Brown, first-round pick in 2020. And then can't forget about Brian Burns, who I actually said was better than Nick Bosa and people think I'm crazy for. He's at least on that tier. And it's, it's going to be – it's time to start giving those guys some props. Uh, the, the Panthers are absolutely terrifying. I, I, I have them winning 11 games this season. I have wow. them making the playoffs. Um, you know, I'm a big, big fan of theirs. They came in seven in my power rankings. Uh, Matt Rule, the scariest thing for a Matt Rule football team is knowing that they're 2-0. and And he doesn't mm-hmm. have to come back. You know, they have the momentum, you know, riding the way it is. Sam Darnold is just going to hit more comfortable each game. It's not going to be pretty, and I think they have a chance to challenge the Bucs if the Bucs aren't careful in that division. 
I was going to ask you, do you think in uh, if uh, you know if they split with the Bucks in the regular season and somehow squeak ahead and get a home game come January, you think they can take care of the Bucks in the playoffs? I mean, they. I think they could. Um, now, the thing with the Bucks is that Brady was amazing the last two weeks, and they pretty much were neck and neck with the Falcons going into the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And the first game, they probably should have lost to the Cowboys. I mean, Brady's two interceptions, one came at the end of the half, and one was thrown right at Fournette, and he just, you know, bobbled it. Um, you know, I mean, he played as well as he could have, and the fact is, you know, Tampa hasn't been able to establish the run. Um, they don't really have a defensive identity. It's really just, you know, their defensive line being, you know, physically imposing up front, stopping the run. They're giving up all sorts of air yards. So, you know, Tampa is going to be challenged with the Rams this week. That will be very interesting. But I don't know what to make of them. You know, so far, I mean, they're 2-0. and They're, you know, the Super Bowl defending champions. But, you know, they – Right now they're hurt. I understand that, but two guys being injured shouldn't be the reason, you know, for your secondary getting picked apart the way it is. And I, I mean, that's that's something where I think Joe Brady will be able to scheme a, a good enough game plan to uh, to pick that secondary apart. And then they have a defense that Tom Brady basically, as long as you hit Tom Brady, you win the football game. You just don't hit Tom Brady very often. And so you can hit Tom Brady, you can win. And I think this Panthers defense is feisty. They can get to Tom Brady and they can win. So it's uh, it's definitely a good question there. Um, they're a team that I'm very intrigued with. Like the Panthers are a dark horse Super Bowl team if Sam Darnold continues on a war path that he's on right now. Excellent. Yeah, how quickly we forget we're a couple of Greg Zerline field goals away from the Bucks starting out with an L. Just to put a bow on this Saints-Panthers game, I your take is really hot, really interesting. Putting it on the coaching staff as a Saints fan, when I first heard that, you know that my hair started to stand up. But I, I see what you're saying. I I want to give at least a little bit of uh, you know, of a of a nod to how they were down eight coaches. But nevertheless, week three, a matchup versus the Patriots. We're not going to talk about, but I think that's going to be an excellent kind of measuring stick to say, hey. You know, are, are the Saints able to adjust based on, uh, you know, some of the errors that uh, cost them here in week two? I also know that uh, you definitely made Mad Money Mike's day when you just said that uh, you think Jameis Winston is the truth. And uh, I guess I, just, I printed it out already. I'm going to frame it. Uh, all right. I'll tell you what, with that, let's let's move to uh, the Rams taking care of business, winning but not covering versus the Colts in Indianapolis, 27-24. So, of course, Jake, you being the, uh, the downtown Rams CEO and owner, definitely want to get your, uh, your thoughts on this game. It was, uh, it was a good one. Yeah, you know, um, it's funny. No matter, I've been on all sorts of shows, and everyone that isn't a Rams fan is like, wow, that's a solid win for the Rams. And then Rams fans are like, oh, that was, that was way too close. It's, it's funny, this, the, uh, <laughs> you know, the perspective. But, look, you know, the Rams, uh, they, they're installing a new offense. They have a brand-new quarterback in Matthew Stafford uh, who is just – I mean, he is unbelievable. He really is. If you think – take how good you think he is and times it by 10. I mean, he is – he's really just another level. Uh, he belongs in the elite status, and, and he's going to prove that as the season goes on. But 
you know, he uh, he banged up his thumb in the middle of the game. I have no idea how much it impacted him, um, but it was his surgically repaired thumb. Uh, so there there is that. Uh, they did lose Daryl Henderson to an injury, I believe, in the third quarter, uh, a rib injury. Uh, Sony Michelle came in, ran well. The offensive line just kicked butt all game long. You know, I think that's the thing. Um, this game shouldn't have been as close. Uh, it was, you know, 17-6, and they were about to pull away. And then, you know, they had the the fluke interception, the, the Stafford uh, thumb thing, uh, uncharacteristic drops by Woods and uh, Jefferson. So, you know, you, you factor those in. Um, the defense – See, everyone's worried about the defense, uh, Rams fans. No one else on the outside, but Rams fans are because they see, you know, these drives are taking so long and all of that, and they're playing the bend, no break. Bend, no break is entirely to trade a touchdown uh, for a field goal or trade a field goal for a touchdown, whatever. And, you know, it, they did such a nice job with that, um, and they're actually ahead of where Staley's defense was through two weeks last week or, or last year. Um but you never know that because they don't get three and outs the way they did at the end of last season. So recency biased, it's like they're used to the Rams. You know, the, the Rams fans are used to the Rams getting off the field quickly. Um, they were able to get in and, and sack Wentz three times. Probably should have been eight. Wentz just did a phenomenal job of staying on his feet, looking downfield, keeping his eyes downfield, extending plays. Um, he had no run game to speak of since the Rams stifled the run game. Uh, you're looking at Jonathan Taylor, who ran over 1,000 yards his rookie year. Only had 3.4 yards per carry at home. Um, I understand there was an injury at right tackle. Uh, you know, Braden Smith didn't play. Still no excuse to not, you know, get him going on the ground. Uh, but then their, their defense kept them in the game as well, um, you know, making some plays down the stretch. I mean, I think really what it comes down to is, you know, they, they with Coach Eberflus, uh, Matt Eberflus, he is very interesting the way he, you know, deploys the guys that he has. So they played a lot of, you know, four-man front, and then they started trying to, you know, confuse Stafford and blitz him, which you're not going to do. But when guys are dropping passes and it starts to get in your head, oh, well, if I throw to Woods, I don't know if he's going to catch it now. It starts to, you know, beat your own, you know, beat you, beat yourself up, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. So the offense started to sputter, uh, which was surprising. Uh, they went away from the run because it's weird. Sean McVay loves running the football until a guy doesn't get at least four yards, and then he just cans the run for the whole drive. Um, so, you know, the offensive line's blocking well, but, you know, guys are dropping the ball, and the run game is not even there because they're not running the football. And then they punt, and all of a sudden, everyone knows what ends up happening. The, the crazy – something we'll probably never see ever again, a fumble – because the snapper, he the long snapper snaps it off the personal protector's hip, goes into the end zone, and Ashton Doolin of the Colts picks it up and scores uh, the touchdown, which takes the lead. At the time, and I said this, and everyone thought it was nuts, I said this is the best thing that could have happened to the Rams because that was three and out. The defense needs to not be out on the field the whole game. The game is starting to tick down. You need to get that offense back out there and reset. And sure enough, they get right back out there. They go down at four or five plays, score a touchdown. Um, big response. And then after that, they get a nice defensive stop. And then, um, you know, after that, they make a couple plays when it's tied. They get a field goal and win the game. But that game could have been a blowout. And it wasn't because I think while Carson Wentz made a mistake with the shovel pass in the red zone, he had a lot of really big-time plays that he created. 
Um, I mean, this is somebody that is just constantly pressured, uh, not only by his offensive line, but by the media. I mean, this is somebody that's always thrown under the bus. And I honestly, I got to say it, when are we going to stop underrating Carson Wentz? I understand the injuries are there. The injuries shouldn't be, you know, how we're rating Carson Wentz. You know, it doesn't change how he plays as a quarterback. And I think that's my biggest issue. When you look at Wentz, he's been pressured 26 times through two games with the Colts. And PFF, according to PFF, only faulted him for one of those pressures beyond holding the ball too long. So that was on him. So he created that pressure. I mean, it's just incredible to me. Um, You know, the last, you go back to 2017, Carson Wentz in 2021 is 28th in quarterback fault pressures percentage at 3.3%. 2020, he was 18th in the league. 2019, he was 23rd. 2018, he was 22nd. And 2017, he was 23rd. So there's a consistency here of not being able to protect Wentz. And Hmm. he's still been doing his job. And, you know, it's it's upsetting because, you know, I watch from afar and I'm a big NFL buff. And I, I just feel like, you know, when people say he's trash, I'm like, He's not because he's really elevating the player of everyone around him. If my, if you're wondering why Michael Pittman Jr. all of a sudden had a huge game, it's because he got it to Michael Pittman Jr. on those big chunk plays that were only existing because of his Im- improvi- <laughs> his improvising um, when the whole play broke down. You know, and I think that's the thing that needs to be said is that Carson Wentz kept him in that game. If that was Jacob Eason from the, the get-go, it's a blowout. And uh, I, I'll just say this, and this is probably mean, but Jared Goff would have lost that game. I don't think you'll get any disagreements uh, on that comment. I guess it will be interesting. Certainly Clearly, not. you're in the uh, you're in the camp that uh, you know the Colts being zero and two are definitely far from uh, down and out. But what what a great game! The thing I liked was that on that on that punt that ended up you know hitting the personal protector and going to the touchdown. I watched that replay. The that personal protector, the guy who it hit, he didn't even. He didn't even know that it hit him. He started running down the field. I was like, man, he was uh, pretty juiced up. But I also do like how uh, NFL will be doing an in-season, uh, I guess, series of the hard knocks, which will be on the Colts. So we'll get a, a little bit of an inside look there into uh, into Carson Wentz and, and that team. So moving on to uh, a route, the Bills really bouncing back from the Steelers' loss in week one, shutting out much to my uh, – delight as uh, the proud owner of the Bills uh, defense and fantasy shutting them out shutting them out the Dolphins shutting out the Dolphins 35 to nothing uh, we got an injury to Tua uh, Jacoby Brissett is in the Bills uh, right the ship Mad Money Mike um, was this a surprise to you no we had the Bills I mean we made some oh, money on the this. tape oh roll the tape roll the tape this was going to be my lock of the week is what so what stings so deeply about this but of course i go with the oh the steelers the hometown you know the you know the go with the uh the the nostalgia you know pick the Mm -hmm. steelers and but of course roll the tape this to me i said it this was the most baffling line of the bills were like minus three and i i said this is the most baffling line i see on the entire docket i did not understand that line I should have gone with the Bills for my lock of the week, and uh, and sure enough, you know they blew them out, uh, and, and it was kind of fascinating. Um, I'll be interested to hear what uh, Jake has to say about Tua's performance before he got injured, uh, you know, because there were some there were some knocks on him uh, going into this game. One comment was, 
you know, if he doesn't find his first read, uh, you know, he just, he, I can't remember exactly what the quote was, but basically if Tua doesn't find his first read, he's throwing the ball up for grabs. And, um, and so there were some knocks on him. Now, obviously he got injured and um, in the offense, you know, certainly appeared to be caught off guard, you know, after the injury, but I just think the bills are dominant. They're a Super Bowl caliber team. I knew going into it that they were going to be dominant and, uh, and they showed that. And, um, you know, despite that week one loss uh, against the Steelers, I think that they're going to quickly find their footing and, uh, and return to form and be a Super Bowl contender once again. Jake, thoughts on Tua? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, I, I'm a Bama fan, and I like Tua uh, to an extent. I do think, you know, he was a little overrated. Um, I liked Jalen Hurts more personally as an NFL prospect. Um, but – I it just find it funny how it's like not everybody does this, but it just seems I noticed this with Drew Locke, who's a second rounder. It we don't give young quarterbacks a chance um anymore. We really just don't. And you know, Tua last year, that was not a rookie year. He split half of that and not even half of that. He split most of that with uh you know, Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. So that's kind of my thing is that this is really his true rookie season. And, you know, to me, I'm not, I'm not really worried about him yet. I think it's so early in the process and Will Fuller, I know is supposed to be a huge, you know, member of the offense. And, you know, I don't know if he'll be back this season. It sounds like he's got a really bad personal issue. Um, But the injury does concern me. And, what I will say with this is that it's not necessarily what the injury is. It's that it, it's not even talent for him. In my opinion, for me, it's all, it's always been about how injury prone he is. That's why to me, like when the dolphins were sitting there, I thought they should take Herbert. I just felt like the, the injury risk was too much for Tua, but I'm not out yeah. on him for good or anything like that. But what I will say this, um, I really don't expect him to be the starting quarterback at the end of the season. I just think this league, you know, chews up and spits out young quarterbacks and you either, you know, get with the program or you don't. And, uh, you know, I look at it as, um, I look at it as like, you'll see Deshaun Watson at the end of the year as, as the starting Ooh, quarterback for the Dolphins. Wow. Uh, Love that. I, I'm, Love that I would be surprised if they get that deal done by the end of the week. I really wouldn't. Wow. Do you guys have the end of the info week? or you read the end of the week leaves or, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I have inside info, but not on that. I, I have sources. Um, I haven't really called around on that. I could, um, I just, I don't know. It, it gets kind of hit or miss when you're dealing with a top player like that. And then a, a team goes in late, it kind of throws you off and makes you look bad. If the report doesn't go through, which has happened. Mm. Um, yeah, that happened to uh, somebody talking about Aaron Rodgers like a done deal to the Broncos. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it was uh, some some of the S. But anyway, we could definitely spend a whole episode on that because, I, I, to be honest, I hadn't heard where uh, Deshaun Watson's all his civil civil lawsuits had landed. But um, I tell you what, talking more about a, a Bama quarterback, let's move to uh, the Patriots taking care of business, twenty five to six over the New York Jets. I do want to give the floor to Mad Money Mike on this game because Zach Wilson was uh, – I don't even know. Was it rare form or was uh, was this normal? I mean, he, he had more picks than passes. I mean, that's not even possible. Mad Money Mike, I mean, you're, you're on top of the world right now. 
Well, there was <laughs> no. I'm I'm not actually, <laughs> and uh, you know why. But there was um, there was a moment uh, where he had three completed passes and three interceptions. So he had thrown an equal amount of balls to the other team as he had to his own team. Um, uh, so Jake, to fill you in, uh, one of my biggest uh, preseason bets was Zach Wilson season long passing yards under 3,800. And he has gone into – he went into halftime in the first game with, I think, 87 passing yards, and he went into halftime of this game with 45 passing yards. But, of course, and I'll be interested to hear your take on this, you know, the, the Jets are getting blown out. It looks like opposing defenses just go into a prevent in the second half. And, um, and, and basically the floodgates are open for him to, uh, to rack up some passing yards while those opposing defenses are in prevent with the game out of hand. And he finished the first game with 253 passing yards after going in the half with 87. And he finishes this one with 210 after going in with 45. So I'm nervous about that season under passing yards because of that being the case. But I'm still hopeful that he's not even going to finish the season with the Jets, whether or not they tell him to grab some bench and learn or possibly an injury. Where do you think I'm at on that bet? Well, I think you're you're right on the the money there. You know, I think that's the that's the concern I have. You know, with those over unders, is that you know, yeah, I mean, this is somebody that, in my opinion, was the biggest bust, uh, boomer bust guy, and I think he had the most bust potential by far. I liked him, but I didn't love him, and I hated him going to the Jets uh, organization. Not even just because of the Jets. I feel like the media is going to chew him up and spit him out. But oh, yeah. um, you know, let's be real here. <laughs> those guys still throw for a lot of yards. I mean, go back, you you look at, you know, Sam Bradford the year, you know, he was a rookie with the Rams. He threw for 3,500 and he averaged about five yards per attempt. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not a good sign <laughs> because if you think about it, you know, as this season goes along, he'll get comfortable. He'll just let it rip. And those big plays, like you said, in prevent, I mean, he's just going to – that's the thing. is like dinking and dunking or, you know, making a big play down the field. I don't know. I, I think you said 3,800 it is? Yes. I think you might you, – you probably have that, but I think you might be sweating on, you know, especially with a 17-game schedule. You'll be sweating yeah. week 17 or 18. That's for sure. <laughs> what, are, what do you think the, uh, the prospects of him finishing out the season are? You, you – uh... Do you see a situation where they are, let's just call it zero and eleven, and you know he's, you know he's 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 approaching an interception record, thirty-eight. You know pick. with them, <laughs> with them saying, uh, "Why don't you take a breather and, uh, and 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 let's give some other guy, you know, uh, some reps." Do you see that being the case, or do you think no matter how bad they are, they let him finish it out? I mean, I think they're going to let him finish it out. It's kind of one of those weird bets where you win if he tears his ACL. So it's a really yeah. – <laughs> it's yeah. uh, it's one of those – like, that's the weird thing about over-under. It's like you also have – so it's like, you know, it, it's essentially, uh, you know, like when you're at the roulette table and you're betting on either a red oh, – Mike knows that. I'm familiar. I'm familiar. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, you're betting red, black, or green, uh, but you're not going to bet the, – there's the zero and then there's the double zero. You're not going to bet just the zero or the double zero. You're going to bet green mm-hmm, because mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. essentially what you're doing with the under is that you have the under, but you also have the injury risk on top of that. So you have the fact that 
he just might not get to 38,000, uh, uh, 3,800 yards, and that's totally viable. But it also might be the injury, whereas the over, an injury can't help you at all. Yeah, yeah. I, I like where I'm at. I feel like I'm on the right side of the bet. Never want to root uh, for an injury. Um, no, no, I of course do... not. But it's yeah, one of those exactly. weird dynamics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the the nature of the beast when uh, when you're looking for a lock. Yeah. I, Mad yeah. Money Mike, I thought you were going to say never root for an injury unless you've got $1,000 on the line. <laughs> <laughs> no, come then on now. Then all scruples go out to right edit, 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 edit. <laughs> <laughs> no way, man. Keeping that in. Oh, love the roulette reference. Mad Money Mike, I actually haven't seen you bet the greens that often. Maybe that's a, a tactic or a strategy we need to uh, explore further next time we're uh, at the tables together. So <laughs> I just wrote it down in my notebook. <laughs> well, I love it. You just you show up and you bet the green and you hope that that one time all those people that are losing all their money next to you and hate you afterwards because you just show up for one hand. You're like, right, I'm just going to play one. And you're like, oh, I'll just go green, and then it hits green. <laughs> well, you walk away like a boss. <laughs> Absolutely. Speaking of which, did you? Uh, I don't know if you guys read it, but there's a story out that I just read yesterday about Peyton Manning. I can't remember who it was, but they're telling a story about how he walks into the roulette table, and he like he says something and tells everyone to like put it on red eighteen or whatever, or he puts it on red eighteen. Everybody at the table's like, oh, Peyton Manning. So they all put their in red eighteen hits. And he just turns around and walks out like a boss, like some legendary story. So I absolutely love that. Uh, you have to look it up for the details. That was a great one. <laughs> yeah, That's that was awesome. ESPN2's cast of Monday Night Football. It was an excellent cast hosted by the Manning Brothers. They had Pat McAfee, McAfee on who told that story. Excellent story. I need to find it and retweet it. Um, but I want to say, Mad Money Mike, you can't do that. You can't bet once at a roulette table and leave. That's like – that's like you stepping into a shower and like turning the water on and turning it back off. No, you're if you sit down at a roulette table, you're gonna be there for a while. Well, I me know personally, you. me personally, obviously, but if you're Peyton Manning, you walk in, you tell everyone to hit red eighteen, it hits, and you turn around and walk out. It's like the legend continues, like tip of the cap. I love that move. But me, obviously, you've got me pegged. I'm certainly gonna sit there and continue to play until all the chips are once again gone. Yeah, and I say that not to like get an indictment on you because I'm right there with you. So. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. We're starting to get into uh, into some special topics. Um, all right. Next up, we've got the Bengals. Yeah, keeping on the theme of, uh, of of fresh quarterbacks, the Bengals seventeen. Joe Burrow really struggling. Um, not getting it done at home. Or the Bears at home. Chicago Bears taking care of business, twenty to seventeen over the Bengals. Andy Dalton kind of doing a little pump fake, had a little non-contact injury, but then you know sitting out a little bit, but then coming back in. And then I just heard today that uh, Justin Fields uh, will be the week three starter. Um, Jake, uh, I guess, yeah, let, let, let's get your thoughts on this one. Are the Bears, you know, with Justin Fields, are they going to be, uh, I guess, well-positioned to uh, battle with Green Bay, or do you think that uh, this is just all, you know, fanfare? Oh, well, this is definitely uh, the best thing that they could have done. You know, I, Fields is a great prospect. Uh was number two on my list after um, – Lance and you know I really think when you look at what Fields can do for this team and it's just you know firsthand you'll be like oh he threw one interception he got sacked you know he didn't look that great keep in mind he came in uh just out of the blue you know obviously he needs to be ready but when he gets a full week of preparation with the ones and having those snaps I really do feel 
like Justin Fields will have full command of this offense. It might take some time to be exactly how he wants to be, but you know, you look at having David Montgomery as your running back. Um, then you have guys like Robinson and Mooney and Cole Komet as your, you know, weapons. I think you have to feel pretty good as a rookie quarterback on top of the fact that you can make things happen with your, um, you know, with your legs, uh, something Dalton can't do. And, uh, you know, I do think that the bears, they're not going to compete with the, um, the Packers, so to speak. I have the way like going at least seven and 10 or like uh, a six and 11. Um, mm. But, you know, that was before the season, but you know, I mean, if, if they were to win nine games, I wouldn't be shocked. They are a playoff team from last season, so that that's worth mentioning. But uh, with the Bengals, you know, I just don't really know what they were thinking with Joe Burrow. A lot of the, the play calling was really all over the place. Uh, they had a lot going for them with Tyler Boyd in the slot, who's just turned into one of the better slot receivers in football. And they kind of went away from him a little bit. And, you know, it surprised me. I mean, I know he had seven catches for whatever, 70 yards. But, you know, it, it seemed like they kind of went away from him for a little bit. Uh, they probably should have kept going with him. I know he had nine targets, but just, you know, feed him the ball. And then with Joe Mixon, you know, he ran 20 times, uh, got about 3.5 yards per carry on those. So not really making the most of that. I think it's just one of those bad games you expect, you know, Burrow will have, but he'll come back strong the next game. And now I think a lot of it, the offensive line has a lot to do with it as well. The play calling is limited as well, just to keep in mind, just because the offensive line is so, uh, you know, poor. Um, So he was sacked five times uh, for almost 30 yards uh, in, you know, lost yardage. So uh, Burrow will be back. Uh, the Bears will be interesting. Now they're, they're must-watch TV with Justin Fields the rest of the way. And I think the Bengals will be fine. They feel good probably sitting there at one-on-one. Excellent. Yeah, you know that uh, the Bears definitely have uh, opened up their playbook now that uh, Dalton is out and Fields is in. You know, Dalton tried to do a mobile quarterback, and he got uh, he sprained his own ankles. So, Medway Mike, any thoughts on uh, this game before we move to the Falcons-Bucks? No, no. The, uh, the way that Jake put it, the Bears are now must-watch TV. I love that. I, I'm super pumped uh, to see Justin Fields, you know, have full command of the offense, as Jake put it, and uh, I'm excited to watch uh, where both of these teams go, sitting at one and one. You know, the, the sky's the limit if uh, if they can get it together. You know, two two talents in the backfield at, uh, at quarterback, and uh, I'm excited to watch them. Yeah, the week three, just to, just to tease our pick six week three games, the Bears are giving – or they're getting seven versus the Browns. So, um, yeah, if, if uh, it, it seems like we all uh, might be uh, having a lean towards the Bears in week three. All right, anyway, let's move on to uh, the Falcons, who put up a good effort in the first half um, but ended up falling quite short to the Bucks, losing 25-48. to 48. Uh, The spread on this one was massive. I, I got it clocked in here at 12-and-a-half, and, and – uh, yeah, it took all four quarters for the Bucks to pull ahead. But you know, we, we talked a little bit about the Bucks earlier. You know, they're uh, they're Super Bowl defending champions. They're they're two and zero, but uh, I think they're uh, shaking off some rust. Um, I guess yeah. Let's start with you, Jake. So we talked a little bit earlier about the the Panthers being able to give the Bucks a run for the money. Um, I think we're on the same page. The Falcons are uh, throwing in the towel. The Bucks are. Uh, you know, uh, definitely capable of repeating any, uh, any additional thoughts about this game or uh, about these two teams? 
Um, you know, with the Buccaneers, we kind of talked touched on it earlier. Uh, Tom Brady has been incredible, um, but we didn't talk about Gronkowski and how he, you know, I did at least I didn't mention him. Uh, Gronkowski has been incredible as well. Four of the nine touchdowns from Tom Brady he uh, took in. Uh, they're not going to have Antonio Brown in all likelihood due to COVID, uh, so that'll be interesting. But you know, all in all, um, the offense looks really good. Uh, they just need to you know run the football, obviously, and I think they got sort of back to that a little bit, although it's hard not to want to throw on a defense that is going to give you unlimited production because they can't stop the deep pass. They just can't. Um, But then you look, of course, at, you know, the Falcons and they got to, I I don't want to give them too much crap because I do think they're one of the worst teams I've seen so far. And they honestly, I don't know what they're doing most of the time, but um I'll be honest with you, you know, to put up those points, that's a step in the right direction. You know, I'm not going to credit them too much, but that's a step in the right direction. And uh, people need to realize how truly how good Matt Ryan is because he has literally no time to throw the football and he gets picked three times. And, you know, it's the usual Matt Ryan sucks. But if you watch the game, uh, then you'll know. I mean, Matt Ryan had no time to throw the football. It's another thing where the offensive line doesn't look very good. So, you know, that, that's what I would say about that. I would say, you know, the Bucks obviously, they're on their own streak. They're on their own path. Uh, the Falcons, they're taking those, those small minor victories because I don't think they're going to have many true ones the rest of the year. What I'll say about the Falcons is at some point, they are going to ruin somebody's, many people's survivor league. When they like are. they're zero and eleven, and all of a sudden they wake up and beat the Bucks or something like that. Hundred percent. I tell you, yeah. All right, we've got five games left, guys. Home stretch here for the week two recap. I'm I'm thinking we'll probably take a quick break after that. So, um, I want to keep us moving here. Mad Money Mike, I'm going to give you the floor here. The Vikings lose again to a last second field goal, missed wide left, a 37 yarder. I have here. They start out zero and two. Meanwhile, the Cardinals start off um, with an exciting two and zero. Um, they hold on. They beat the Vikings thirty-four to thirty-three. My gosh, are you uh, penciling the Cardinals in to uh, to the playoffs and the Vikings to uh, the tank jobs, or what are your thoughts here? Well, certainly no team wants to go to Arizona. I can tell you that much. Kyler Murray is uh, is is a shining star. He's uh, letting the world know that he's a generational talent, and nobody wants to go down there and uh, and try to keep up with them. You know. Uh, it's hard to say what the Vikings are going to do from here on too. I know that uh, Dalvin Cook's got a, a light ankle sprain. You never want to see that kind of thing. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins is not, uh, he, he's not, you know, he's not, he's not leaving any turds on the field. You know, he's playing pretty decent. Um, they're just going to have to, they're going to have to galvanize. They're going to have to, you know, it's that, that old cliche look in the mirror and, uh, and, and, and they're going to have to want it. Um you know, I, I think that uh, I think that the fact that they only lost this game by one against an extremely uh, good Cardinals team says that they're probably fine. It's a long season; it's a seventeen-game season. I still like the Vikings to to make a playoff run, at least vie for a wild card spot. Um, uh-huh. But like I said, you know, the Cardinals are uh, the Cardinals are the real deal. You know, led by Kyler Murray. You think uh, we should ship the Vikings a gold star for that? Uh, I mean, it was a loss, but it was a win, right? participation trophy <laughs> uh, I don't have the Vikings week three matchup but I know one loyal listener my dad is uh, very excited to hear you say that uh, they're not out of it so 
Um, with that, let's move on to uh, another really good game. This was uh, down to the wire. It actually went to overtime. The Titans upsetting the Seahawks 33-30. to And uh, as a, a Derrick Henry fantasy owner, this was uh, music to my ears and eyes. Um, Jake, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, what can I say? King Henry uh, really just took over at the end, um, took over halfway through, really. Um, that game, I thought Seattle had it. I mean, you know, what was it, 24 to 9 at the half? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it pretty incredible for, you know, the Titans to come back, and they really needed to. They were getting heavily scrutinized the way they lost the, the Cardinals. Um, and then, of course, you know, the usual storyline, oh, well, what if Arthur Smith wasn't supposed to leave? And what if they weren't supposed to let Arthur Smith leave? And what if the Falcons weren't supposed to hire Arthur, you know, the whole thing. So watching that, um, you know, watching Tannehill have the comfortability he had, I would never draft him in fantasy because he can throw for 500 yards. If he's not, you know, scoring touchdowns, it doesn't really matter. Um, You know, but I just thought the, to get back on the right track there was important, but Let's just call it like it is, guys. You know, Mike Vrabel, defensive-minded coach, I and mean, his team gave up 30 points. It's mm. it's Is he ever going to get that defense that he was, you know, obviously praised for with the Texans being a defensive coordinator? <laughs> I just – I don't think so. I really – I don't. I, I think – to me, I think the Titans are just going to have to win with their offense, and which is why I have them pretty limited. I think they win the division barely ahead of the Colts, or at least I did coming in the season. Um, but that defense is not inspiring at all. Yeah, I'm looking here in week one, they gave up 38 to the Cardinals. Now, granted, um, those are two pretty you know mobile, electric, I'm thinking future MVP quarterbacks between Kyler Murray and uh, Russell Wilson. But, yeah, that uh, – that defense is definitely sus. Um, I'll tell you what, let's keep moving. Let's talk about uh, another interesting game. Man, so many good matchups today. The Cowboys taking care of business, heading into Los Angeles. Um, an exciting, another exciting finish, last-second field goal. That, uh, but I'll tell you, if the Vikings had good field goal kickers like uh, like the Cowboys did in this case, uh, what, a, what a different tune they'd be singing. But Cowboys win with a 57-yard last-second field goal, beat the Chargers 20-17. to This was my lock of the week. I actually got the Cowboys at plus three and a half. That line closed I have here at uh, plus minus three. But um, like I said, like I said, kind of, you know, in last week's uh, look ahead on this game, I think uh, the Cowboys are real. Um, I really like uh, how Dak Prescott performed in week one, and I think he uh, did more of the same here in week two. He's a he's a real deal quarterback. I'll take him over uh, most any other guys uh, out there, you know, wearing uh, single digits. But uh, what a good game. Um some bad play calling by Dallas couldn't get the couldn't get them uh, off the win. Um, I got some concerns about uh, McCarthy, but able to get it done uh, in a, a really a Sophie Stadium, right? Like what a what an electric place to play. Um, Cowboys getting it done, uh, coming back one and one. Jake, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean the Chargers are a Super Bowl contender in my opinion. They're my Super Bowl pick in the AFC. So you know, wow. To- to have the this win for the Cowboys, I think it says more about the Cowboys, um, you know, and, and I think it says a lot about Dak, who has gone, you know, back-to-back games, and he did everything he could to give him a chance. I didn't think one – there was not one bad throw from Dak Prescott in the Tampa Bay game, and that was coming off, you know, that injury. Um, he looked really good, and his only interception, he threw it right to C.D. Lamb, and he just dropped it. 
Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, Zerline making the field goal, it just almost felt like, you know, justice for how well they played and, and how the scoreboard really didn't indicate how well they played. You got to give props to Brandon Staley's crew for hanging in there. Um, but, you know, what it comes down to is that I felt like Herbert and company just, they didn't do enough. And, you know, Tony Pollard, man, I, I'm just going to say it right now. I, I don't care who disagrees or agrees with me. Tony Pollard is a better running back than Ezekiel Elliott. I, I, sure. I, I've watched it for two years now. Tony Pollard, I'm, I'm out of Memphis. And if you're not paying attention, Memphis is a running back factory. Anthony Jones Jr., the coach there. Um, I mean, he is just – he's a better running back. Zeke Elliott is, is great in pass pro, um, which will keep him on the field. But I just do not see it with Ezekiel Elliott. I haven't seen it in, in a few years. And, you know, I understand he'll have those stats and everything. But keep in mind, Cowboys have had a good offensive line. You're going to have, you know, the production because you have Dak Prescott at quarterback. Uh, so they have to keep, you know, they have to keep everything honest because Dak Prescott will throw over their head. But – Pollard just runs with this urgency that just I've never seen from Zeke Elliott. Yeah, the Cowboys really have so many weapons on offense, you know, with with uh, Dak at the helm, the two-headed dragons between Pollard and Zeke, and then you got C.D. Lamb and uh, Amari Cooper. Yeah, man, how could I forget that? Yeah, man, the, the, the Cowboys are stacked. Um, it is interesting. They won the game on a 57 yard field goal, but last week they missed like two field goals and two PATs to lose to the Bucks. But interesting game. Mad Money Mike, want to give you closing thoughts on the Cowboys and then also want to get your thoughts on an exciting Sunday night football game. The Chiefs, the Ravens pulling past the Chiefs 36 to 35. Yeah, uh, no closing thoughts on uh, on Cowboys Chargers. I do love the take that Tony Pollard is a better running back than Ezekiel Elliott. Um, he certainly is this year, and he certainly appeared to be last year. Um, like you said, Memphis is a running back factory. Um, I, I love that take. You know, Mike Norvell, uh, former Memphis head coach, is now the head coach of the Seminoles. So I want him to bring that same energy he had at, uh, at Memphis to Florida State. But that's for, uh, that's for another topic, uh, another time. Um, love that take. Excited to watch what the Cowboys can do just because Dak Prescott, I feel like, is, uh, is, is, is trying to put a – you know, trying to put his reputation on a pedestal and, and he's, and he's backing it up and I love to watch it. Uh, and then, yeah, moving on to that, to that last game, man, the chiefs, uh, chiefs Ravens, it was, um, it, it was, it was fun to watch, man. It was, it was, uh, you know, that was, you know, to watch, to watch, um, you know, to watch Lamar Jackson, um, you know, and, and what he was doing and uh, in the way that he, he took the game over late on, you know, with his feet was um, it, it kind of took me back to like Lamar Jackson three seasons ago. It's almost like what I've been waiting mm-hmm. for him to, uh, you know, to show us again. And there was like this moment where I thought that almost because of maybe media pressure, outside pressure, he kind of said like, I'm not going to be a running quarterback. I'm going to be a pocket quarterback. I want to show the world that I don't need to run. And then now it's kind of like it, it appeared in this particular game anyways, that he just thought like, well, you know, f that. I'm just gonna go back to. Uh, I'm gonna go back to my roots. I'm gonna go back to, uh, you know, to my Louisville days and um, and the and what he was doing with his feet as he was scrambling out of the pocket was just like breaking ankles left and right. And and that's how he took over the game late. And uh, and as much as I love the Chiefs and you know and Pat Mahomes and everything they've got going there, there's something kind of cool about teams beating them. 
I don't know what uh-huh. that is. I don't know why that is, but uh, but it was fun to watch the Ravens do it. Yeah, wasn't this the first time that Lamar has beaten Pat Mahomes in the Chiefs? I think he was like 0-4 going into that game. But, oh, uh, yeah, talk about some unfortunate turnovers that the Chiefs had. That was Pat Mahomes' first interception in the month of in the month of September in his career. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had a late fumble there as well. I really love how the Ravens had that gutsy fourth down call to, you know, to keep the offense on the field and keep the Chiefs' offense off the field. What a good finish and cap on uh, a great Sunday of football. Let's close out this segment by uh, an interesting Monday night football game for the first half, but then uh, in the second half, uh, Jared Goff showed back up. Um, the Lions, I don't even have the final score written down, but it ended up being a blowout. The Packers covered 12 and a half and really took care of business. Um, Jake, why don't I give you the floor here to let uh, let's get your thoughts and insights on uh, on this Monday night football game. Yeah, you know, Jared Goff looked really good the first half, and then the second half, not so much. Um, you know, I think, you know, credit to the Packers and, and what they were able to do uh, pressuring Goff. I think a lot of it, uh, you, you have to look at, um, you know, of course, the defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, who was the linebackers coach for the Rams, assistant head coach last season, and pretty much the entire tenure Sean McVay had been with the Rams. So that means he's seen a ton of Jared Goff in practice, newest tendencies, they made adjustments, and you could definitely see that. So not only making those adjustments and forcing him into bad spots, but then capitalizing, having four touchdowns from Aaron Rodgers, four touchdowns from Aaron Jones. Uh, it was a night that the Packers 100% needed uh, going into week three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, Um. that was uh, definitely a bounce back game for them. I do think that and I think we talked about this last week. I do think the Lions are live dogs throughout the rest of the season, almost like uh, teams like uh, I don't I don't know about the Falcons, but team, uh, the Texans. That's what I was thinking of. Anyway, uh, Mad Money Mike, you told that story about Pat McAfee on Peyton Manning. That is uh, from the ESPN2 broadcast of Monday Night Football hosted by the Manning brothers. I watched that. Uh, I heard about it in week one. And then watched it, watched the Monday Night Football game from that broadcast on week two. It's a must watch. They get uh, you know other NFL players on. They just sit back in their recliners and and they're talking smack to each other half the time. It's uh it's must see TV. Um, I loved how they were dissing the, the, the I think it was the the Packers called timeout to ice the Lions kicker at halftime, but they let the Lions kicker have a practice kick. They're dissing them. They're making jokes about golf. Um, Peyton was boozing it up. They had Pat McAfee on, Brett Favre, and I think either Gronkowski this week or last week. But what an excellent closeout to the week. I tell you what, guys, this uh, the two-minute drill, um, we didn't we didn't uh, stick to the schedule, but not at all upset about that. This uh, the ins- Jake, really appreciate the insights that you brought uh, here to this week to look back. I tell you what, I'm thinking we'll probably do a little um, audible here on the schedule, a little Red 18 audible here, and uh, probably take a break here for tonight. And I'll get this podcast out, and we'll maybe do just a, a little separate segment for our week three look ahead. Um, Jake, I want to give you another chance um, to say thank you so much for joining this podcast. And uh, please tell us tell us where uh, where you can find us on Twitter. Tell us all about uh, you know the different endeavors that you're going through. And uh, yeah, how can uh, how can our listeners get more of Jake Ellen Bogan? Well, hey, you know, I really appreciate that, both of you. Um, it's been a lot of fun talking on this podcast. Uh, you guys can find me at JK Bogan on Twitter. That's pretty much that's where all my stuff is. You can find my Linktree, um, you know, account or login or whatever. Uh, it is the link in the description. 
um, there. And then um, if you don't have Twitter, you can find me on YouTube at, uh, well, not at, but you can find me on YouTube. It's just Jake Allenbogen, all caps. Um, you could probably just look up Jake Rams and I'd probably still come up. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much all my stuff. I mean, I have all the other stuff, but I always say if you find one of those things, you'll be connected to all of them. So, um, you know, definitely check those out. But, guys, I, I can't thank you enough. It's been a lot of fun talking with you. I love talking ball. And uh, can't stress enough, I know I have the downtown Rams name attached to me. It's kind of put me in some sort of a, a, a niche, so to speak. But, um, you know, I could definitely talk football with, you know, about whatever team you guys need. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of the league and I, I follow it like it's a religion. So, <laughs> yeah, cl- clearly your niche is like the entire NFL. And I also heard you <laughs> drop in some college gems as well. So, I mean, if it starts with a foot and ends with a ball, um, you're all over it. Mad Money Mike, <laughs> any any closing comments before we close out this pod? Uh, Jake, just cannot thank you enough for joining us. Uh, you know, I uh, I really look forward, you know, to uh, to being a, a loyal listener to the Downtown Rams podcast, and uh, and I've I've enjoyed uh, checking out the website at downtownrams.com. I hope that you'll join us again. Can't thank you enough for uh, for all of your insight and detailed information. I know that our listeners, you know, really enjoyed it and uh, and are going to look forward, you know, to uh, to tuning into your podcast as well. So again, thank you so much. Absolutely. All right. hey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake, before before we close out the pod, just because we're not, we're going to get to it on the next one. Do you have a lock of the week for week three? Oh man, um, is this betting or uh, just like a a money line against the spread, preferably? But hey, you're a loyal, you're you're a special guest, so we're not gonna knock any any bet you drop for us. All right, let me see if I can pull up the spread right now for those, and I will try and get you one against the spread. One one second here, because I do, I do have some games that stood out to me. I was like, okay, yeah, I could definitely lock that in. I feel really good about that. Um, all right, I'm gonna be lame here, and I'm gonna say Carolina. Uh, you know, well, Carolina and the um, you know, the what is it? Thursday night the, football. I've got them giving seven and a half at the Texans. Okay, because I'm showing eight. So they're okay. giving All eight. Right. I'll take the eight. Um, nice. yeah, I'll right. take Carolina. And I'll take the over in a blowout. I'm going to say Carolina touches – I'm going to say they get close to 40 points. I'm going to say 38 oh. – uh, 38 to 13 over the Texans. Love it. Oh, Love that's it. what we're looking for. <laughs> yes. That's a great take. All right. Excellent. Well, that is going to close it out. Thanks again, Jake. Mad Money Mike, of course. Thanks as always. And thanks to all of our loyal listeners for tuning in. That is going to close us out for season two, episode number five. It's a lock podcast. It's a lock. Peace. That'll do it for this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in. On behalf of Mad Money Mike, this is Big Bet Brent saying so long and see you next week.